0: The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows codes and Dye shrink for 3% off all other codes. Links in the description and I will say more later. But for now, let's get to the show. silicon a computer hardware and gaming podcast we are reporting live from the peoria bunker once again i am your host tom and i am joined in person by my brother hey. dan what's up everybody yeah so we did the uh end of month loose ends um as i expected it was immediately flagged by youtube for speaking truth to power yeah it yeah, were edgy and uh, actually, I realized that we forgot to open a package a patron sent us to the P.O. Box, which again, in the, there is a P.O. Box. You can send stuff to us if you want us to open it live on the podcast or on live streams. Uh, if we remember, which we will remember for this podcast, and we'll upload pictures too to see. Uh, I hear it's some delicious European treats that we've been sent mm. in. But who knows? Maybe we'll open it up and there will just be a dead raccoon. Maybe that's a delicious European treat in some countries. What the fuck these people eat over there? Anyways, let us get going right away. So Christian Hell writes him, and he says, I did not know that you Yanks throw around German words and expressions like spiel and zeitgeist so casually.
1: Hmm, really? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people use those uh, terms a lot. I don't know if they translate exactly to german what they're supposed to mean in english but yeah that's true i mean there are
0: i think um yeah uh, it's a good way to put it you yanks because i notice well they use a lot of french expressions in england too and stuff they use all types of expressions all over europe from all different countries but at least in america we tend to try to say german words in a german accent and french words in a french accent and there's so many phrases we say that we just it actually is. It is kind of weird when you think about it—the fact that we're just like, you know, uh, déjà vu. For instance, and we're like, let's not come up with an English word; we'll just use the French one.
1: Well, I mean, and beyond those are, like big examples, I think that some estimates put English at like it's like eighty percent not the original language; it's just a bastard language of no, mostly it, like Old English, French, and German.
0: It is. I like what I tell people is it's just like the nouns of French and a lot of the phrasing of French with German grammar. And then there's a lot of, what is it, Scandinavian in there as well. So, uh, I mean, like I always laugh because I took five years of French and my mom will ask, well, how do you say table in French? And I'll go, (laughs) table. Just most nouns say it in a goofy French way and that's how you say the French word. And then with German, you just get angry. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm always angry, but.
0: Yeah. Well, Dan, you've long said that you have a sneaking suspicion that German is just speaking in an ang- English in an angry German accent.
1: Yeah, and if you're German, don't correct me. Yeah,
0: exactly, because <laughs> we're Americans. We don't want to be corrected. I'm always right. Exactly. Faceplants writes him, and he says the standalone Oculus headset is the Quest. There's a headset called the Go also, also, this is a correction. My last system build, the customer got a Quest with it, and it's pretty cool, not being tethered. You can also use it tether use it tethered, and it is listed as supporting Half-Life Alex Wynn Tethered. And that's pretty cool, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure that's referencing the John Petty Broken Silicon, which I've been told by people, you know, that I respect that that's one of the best ones I've done and uh, by supporters as well. So definitely, definitely listen to the guest episodes. Don't skip those. There's a lot of effort uh being put into those. And actually, as the YouTube channel uh Patreon grows. I'm getting a lot more access to better uh, guests for the podcast and sources for the videos. I mean, at this point, it's, I mean, the amount of videos I'm putting out with leaks and stuff in them is just because I have so many people I'm talking to now, both people connected to not just AMD and Intel, of course, not NVIDIA, because NVIDIA is a closed box as far as I can tell, (laughs) but also Sony and Xbox as well. It's pretty exciting. So yeah, the the faster we grow, the better the guests, the better the sources. Don't skip the other tent. There's a lot of tents being pitched right now by Moore's Law is Dead. You're going to want to crawl into them. What do you think, Dan? Good analogy? Yeah, that definitely didn't sound weird or off at all. Okay, excellent. So (laughs) let us get into the stories. The first story, AMD IP was stolen. Now, let me quote here. This is an article. Links, of course, are in the description from Tom's Hardware. I quote, AMD posted a press release to its website today announcing that it had found stolen graphics IP posted online, followed quickly by news from Torrent Freak that the information pertains to source code for Big Navi and Arden GPUs. This is Xbox. Uh, Torrent Freak claims to have contacted the hacker responsible, who claims the information is worth $100 million, and this hacker is seeking bidders. And he has filed at least two DCMA notices against GitHub repos that contain the stolen source code for the company's Navi 10, Navi 21, and Artem. The latter is arguably the most interesting, as it powers Xbox 4's coming Xbox Series X. I'll interject here, too. I was told by Cortex that he found PlayStation source code as well, eventually. So I guess that's in there as well, though it wasn't reported. GitHub has since removed the repositories, but there are other sources, including via a post on 4chan, posting the leaked information. I mean, guys, I think that the cat's out of the bag. It's on the internet. Torrent Freak reportedly contacted the hacker, and she projects the information is worth $100 By the way, I just want to say she... We don't know if it's a guy or a girl. I, everyone always assumes guy. They, I, I, don't, I think it's funny people are saying things. If she doesn't get a buyer, she says she will just leak everything. The happer, hacker claims she found the unencrypted information at Computer Server hacked via exploits. Dan, what do you have to say to this?
1: I mean, the $100 million valuation the hacker is placing on it is interesting to me. I'm curious if she's just publicizing $100 million to like drum up news about it to make it sound like it's worth more than it really she is. She
0: only wants AMD to actually pay her for the information, which I would say Dan's making a face right now in front of me, like, okay. But yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it's out there. I know people, I won't confirm who, but I know people who are going through it right now who talk to me. Well, like, it's-, it's out. That's our I, bag. I don't think all of it's
1: out. I think she's. They, uh, they are saying they're publishing. Um, oh, piece, okay. bits and pieces of it on uh, like GitHub, and for uh, 4- Chan in order, order to prove that they area. have more
0: information. Okay, never mind then. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard some people that I respect their opinion of that AMD may actually want to consider paying for this, um, but I don't think they're going to. I, I think it's just done. And I mean, also, what are you going to, uh, they might still post it anyways. And who knows who's, who it's been shared with and has it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know wh- how, what is contained within the IP, like it, what it will allow other companies to exploit or other like malicious ent- actors to exploit in the future if with all this information
0: leaked. Yeah. I guess we don't know like if it could, what it could do to them. <laughs> Yeah, and I wrote this down in the notes. This is one of those stories I'm intentionally deciding not to cover too much specifically on this story. I will cover information that comes from it, of course, when I fits within a greater narrative or video or something I'm working on, but I've decided to not completely do a video on it cuz that's just it's just not I'm frankly just not interested in doing that. Um And I know a lot of people are being told immediately, by the way, who have NDAs with AMD that do not talk about any of this or we will sue you. So it is, there are people scared. There's some people who are still planning to do something with the information and kind of dance around the NDA. And uh, all, all I can say from my perspective is that I've heard this is much worse than AMD's
1: yeah i mean i guess we'll see if amd is threatening to sue a bunch of people for that information releasing them information you would assume that there's something in there that they don't want out
0: but yeah that boy diesel writes in just like you can if you support us on patreon and he says considering the hacking and theft of amd's code for rdna2 and arden would you consider a plot twist along the lines of amd being vulnerable by using intel server hardware to store that info I'm not exactly sure what he means by that.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess he's saying, do you think this could be a result of like security vulnerabilities because maybe oh, they're oh. using
0: Intel servers? <laughs> oh, if AMD, if this was stored somewhere that had Intel servers, I um, that, that maybe. Would, wouldn't be it's unprecedented. Not, would, or, it wouldn't like, be insane. I would say that's kind of unlikely. Every server person I've talked to has incredible, is like taking, they get the information about the um ways, the Intel security vulnerabilities before it's released to the public um i doubt that's what's going on but i don't know it is it it is worth thinking about though if there could be security vulnerabilities that pop up because they have a lot of this source code
1: yeah i mean i guess we don't know how they hacked it too so who knows it could be intel vulnerabilities it could just be some bullshit lack of security oversight
0: we don't know yeah well let us move on to story number two Intel cancels Cooper Lake. Is this good news for 10 nanometer? This comes from Extreme Tech, and I quote, The announcement states that Intel's upcoming 10 nanometer Ice Lake will be the first CPUs to ship with the Whitley platform support. This could be good news for Intel's 10 nanometer RAM, Uh, It implies at a minimum that yields on the process have improved enough that Intel won't need a limited time refresh from Cooper Lake, which is always when it seemed like Cooper Lake or some rush thing, when the Ice Lake wouldn't get out in time. And that Ice Lake server is expected to introduce PCIe 4.0, 8-channel RAM support, and be used with second-generation Intel Barlow Pass Optane DIMMs. Dan, what did you make of this story? So I guess I uh, I can't remember
1: what's the predecessor to Cooper Lake again. It's uh, I mean, it's another, you know, Skylake X yeah. architecture, Xeon. Yeah, I mean, so I guess hopefully that's a harbinger. F- or That means that uh, they're just extending their predecessor for a little longer while they can ramp up 10 nanometer production at a higher core count. But as far as we know right now, it, it's only at uh, their 10 nanometers, only
0: at like eight cores right now, though, right? The Ice Lake server will go up to thirty-eight cores. They're getting to that, and uh, yeah, I'm as you know, as Dan knows, uh, I'm working on a big Tiger Lake video. Very proud of the thumbnail on this upcoming Tiger Lake uh, video. If you guys can imagine what Tiger thing people have been watching recently, <laughs> that might give you a hint what I used for inspiration for the thumbnail. But uh, that should that video about Tiger Lake should come out. I'm guessing Monday, so would it be March thirtieth? right? I don't know. <laughs>
1: right. I, I don't remember what days of the week are anymore. No, but today's the ninth. Yeah, so yeah.
0: Oh, third, no, yeah. I just didn't remember uh, how many days there were in this month. Uh, we both sound real intelligent right now. But uh, yeah, so Monday you know, before this podcast goes live, I'm hoping to have the Tiger Lake video out. If not, it'll probably be the Tuesday or Wednesday. And in it, I don't just go into Tiger Lake. I go into what's connected to it, the 10 nanometer node. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure... The 10 nanometer node, as I said in the video by the time this is out, <laughs> uh, is a real node. And Tiger Lake is going to prove to everyone that this is a real node. It, it clearly clocks about as well as their 14 nanometer. It has higher IPC. From the sources I have connected to Intel, it's not, so, as far as they can tell, yielding as well as Skylake's launch 75% yields, nor will it likely ever but it is yielding better than Broadwell was when they were selling it. Okay. So So 10 nanometers real, this guys. And that's what I take away from this story, going back to what we were talking about, Cooper Lake being canceled. People are saying, is it because 10 nanometers going well? Yes, I think so. 10 nanometers, good. Tiger Lake should have six to eight cores, which we'll get to in a second. Rocket Lake sounds great. And uh, I think Alder Lake's being very underestimated right now. Of course, we don't know enough information about it to say if it's great, but... I think there is going to be a genuine 10-nanometer era. People will look back and say, Ice Lake started the 10-nanometer era. Yes, their 10-nanometer era was like two years, usually an era is like three or four for Intel. But it is what it is, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think that's exciting. I, I want Intel to do not horrible here because it will stop AMD from charging a $1,000 for their 16 cores. I want $500 16 cores. Yeah. Yeah, I mean hopefully we'll see that soon. I
1: I mean, yeah, I, I guess I don't know what else to add. Uh, just maybe one less stop gap.
0: Yeah, may I'm tired of the stop gaps. Speaking of stop gaps, number three, <laughs> Intel's Rocket Lake. And this comes from video cards. And I quote, expected in late 2020, the leak diagram we are sharing today is a basic overview of the Rocket Lake S features. And it's rumored that Willow Cove on it is that Rocket Lake, a 14 nanometer Architecture coming out late 2020 is eight cores PCIe 4.0 with 20 PCIe 4.0 lanes, so equal to X570 and Tiger Lake Z graphics. Basically, it is a 14 nanometer port of, of Tiger Lake, or... uh, of Tiger Lake, but then it's going to use a separate chiplet for 10 nanometer Z graphics.
1: Okay, um, it looks like that, <laughs> as you said in your segue, this looks like it could be a pretty good
0: stopgap, Jen. Yeah, so I think the way this is going to pan out is Tiger Lake is going to come out late this year with 4 cores. Early next year they're going to try to get 6 and 8 core 10 nanometer Tiger Lake out for laptop as quickly as possible. I do believe the Comet Lake 8 cores on laptop are stopgaps. The 10 core Comet Lake is a stopgap. By the way, two sources at Intel say do not buy Comet Lake directly. They said this is the dumbest they expect and I'll cover this in the Tiger or King video. They expect 8-core Rocket Lake to outperform 10-core Comet Lake at everything. Everything. So, and and basically, they expected Comet Lake to come out at the beginning of 2020, but surprise, power usage issues getting 10 cores under 150 watts. And so it's been delayed. By the time it comes out, Rocket Lake may legitimately launch just a quarter or two after. And then Alder Lake will be followed up after that. I'm curious if Comet Lake is even going to come out then it's a legitimate question (laughs) honestly but i think it will be i think it will be rushed out and then heavily discounted remember broadwell on desktop came out for only two months
1: yeah i guess that's true i i I really just bought it because it was a convenient car uh cpu CPU for 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 me to buy yeah
0: So I I think that's what we're looking at, is that everyone expected some 10-nanometer Broadwell situation. But I think more likely Comet Lake is the Broadwell no one wants. And then Rocket Lake should come out and just be the flagship, and then they'll sell. Yeah, and then I I don't know. I don't think they'll ever bring 10-nanometer Tiger Lake to desktop if they're porting this. I don't see the point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But they could, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a limited release of that. And then they just want to get Alder Lake. There's something I cover in the video as well. I just feel like Intel's working on five different projects and they're so behind and I don't want to say desperate, but scrambling with how fast AMD is innovating that they're not going to hold up on anything. They have the resources to make five times as many projects as AMD. And so if Tiger Lake comes out early, good. If Alder Lake comes out early, good. If Rocket Lake comes out right when Comet Lake does, well, maybe we shouldn't have made Comet like, but we didn't know because we fucked up before. So F it. We're just shooting a shotgun of projects and they need to come out as soon as possible.
1: I mean, yeah, with all of these uh, architectures and well lines coming out so close to each other, uh, it, it really does feel like there's some disorganization uh, inside Intel right now. Maybe that's just because, like you said, they're scrambling or maybe their leadership is fucked there right now. I don't really know, but
0: they they seem very disorganized. Let us move on to what we're already talking about, basically. Story number four, Tiger Lake could offer 10 to 20% better GPU performance than top Renoir, and it could have six to eight cores, too. So this is actually two stories, one I added at the last minute because it just came out. But I'm going to quote the first story here from WCCF Tech. The CPU tests show that the AMD Ryzen 9 4900H is up to 64% faster than Intel's Tiger Lake U in CPU performance. But it's the graphics score that really we need to talk about. In the graphics test, the Intel Tiger Lake Z GPU is up to 10% faster than AMD's 7 nanometer Renoir GPU. It is also up to 14% faster in one of the graphics tests. And it's worth pointing out the 4900H, this is the one that should be about an MX 350. Yeah. And uh,
1: So yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, So I mean, I guess a bit off topic, but one big takeaway is uh, NVIDIA's (laughs) <laughs> approach it. These low-power laptops are just dead in the water, if this is all true. And two, I mean, I guess uh Intel has finally arrived with good APUs, basically.
0: Yeah, and one thing I highlight in the Tiger Lake video is that it's worth pointing out that this is just one graphics test, and that like Picasso versus Ice Lake, Picasso's graphics were actually as good as Ice Lake's, if not a little better. But Ice Lake, I mean. It had, you know, we're talking 12 nanometer Picasso versus 10 nanometer Ice Lake. Ice Lake had like 20% or more IPC advantage over Picasso for the CPU. And when you're doing eSports titles and canned benchmarks, it's going to make Intel's GPU look like it's a lot stronger, right? Yeah. Beca- and, and, and there were some A games that didn't need a lot of CPU performance where Picasso took the lead by a lot. So I just want to point that out, that in this benchmark, I wouldn't be so sure that overall... Tiger Lake's going to be better gaming than Renoir. I just think I think games are going to need 8 cores this fall. They're just going to need eight uh, yeah, 8 cores, 8 full cores this fall and that look in older esports titles. I'm sure Tiger Lake will just win because they just want a super powerful Intel core, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair point. But I think they're close enough. And and the other thing I point out in the video is don't be that impressed that AMD's budget Renoir is beaten by 10% yeah, and I got guess Cezon and Van Gogh coming, and then Zen three APUs probably around when Tiger Lake comes now now, and I added the story in the description. Now we know that six and eight core tiger Lakes definitely coming, which I was hoping to break that story, but oh well, um so that might make up for it, but I don't think an eight core Tiger Lake's necessarily going to be a seven nanometer plus twenty compute unit Saison. I just think they're going to be close, but I know which one's cheaper to make. And that's AMD's AP. It's a lot cheaper to make. Yeah, that's probably true. No. Uh, and in fact, the last thing I will say, and this is very exciting for two reasons, <laughs> is top Renoir benchmarks are coming out now where, so we've been talking about how Renoir is basically a 2700X in a 15-watt form factor. Yeah. And, but what happens when it has 35 or 45 watts? Well, apparently it's closer to a 3800X. <laughs> so that's insane. Yeah, um yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and and by the way, if Tiger Lake really does have like 10% more IPC than Zen 2, then imagine an 8-core Tiger Lake. I mean, that's going to be the best gaming CPU. which it would definitely. infer Rocket Lake probably will be as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see once more. You know, remember this too, Rocket Lake 8-cores will use a shit ton of energy cuz this architecture was meant for 10 nanometer. So they have to make some efficiency sacrifices outside of what you may expect going to 14 nanometer, I think. And don't ex- yeah, expect it to use a lot of energy because they built this architecture right around a certain node and porting it, there will be some efficiency losses. I guess what I'm also saying is don't assume Rocket Lake will clock to 5 gigahertz. It might, though. Um, I mean, it
1: might. Uh, Intel has a real hard-on for having uh, velocity <laughs> for 5 gigahertz. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to at least get one product there that He uses like 200 watts, I don't
0: know. (laughs) Yeah. So me and Dan here cutting in in the last minute edit before this (laughs) podcast gets uploaded to you guys. I mean, honestly, listening to the Renoir Tiger Lake conversations, I think we pretty much actually covered what the conclusions are in these Renoir reviews that are coming out today, March 30th. But we felt the need to cut in because... As keeps happening, Renoir continues to be more impressive every time we get more info, and this includes the final reviews. E- every time there is more info. It's just every time there's more info, it doesn't matter how impressive we thought it was, it overperforms. Would you agree, Dan?
1: I mean, yeah. I, I would not have expected the the top-end Renoir's to perform as well as they did
0: well I mean and we talked about it already you just heard us in the past Tom and Dan talk about how <laughs> it sounds like Renoir is closer to a 3800x and Linus showed single threaded sin bench uh, locked at 5 gigahertz it's tied with Renoir clocked lower so I think the lower that that Renoir is like 4.4 gigahertz or something boosted yeah And so, yeah, that sounds like 100% correct. That Renoir performs at least as well as a 3800X. And um, all I can say is, you know, uh, I think earlier in the podcast, me and Dan talked about how an 8-core Tiger Lake should easily still be the best gaming CPU in a laptop. I am no longer sure that's true. I think it might be. We'll we'll see. I mean... But what? The the, the 5 gigahertz i9 mobile 8-core is, like, performing the same as a Renoir clocked almost 20% lower. W- with that in mind, I don't think Tiger Lake's going to have 20% higher IPC than Renoir. I think it's going to have, like, 10% more. Yeah, and... Yeah. And when, I think it'll be clocked at 4.4, gigahertz, maybe, at the most.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I guess well, uh, Like, what,
0: uh... I know it what, goes to at least 4.3.
1: Well, what Intel... What are, Intel projections did they have for IPC gains? With tiger nothing lake. official but i'm yeah. told over
0: five percent so if it's only five percent then it's i highly unless doubt it unless, it, unless its clock speed is above 4.5 gigahertz yeah. uh, i i guess what i'm saying is i think me and dan or at least i in the podcast a second ago uh, made it sound like i thought tiger lake would easily be the best gaming cpu in a laptop i no longer think it's going to be easy is that a good way to put it yeah uh, yeah and again and i'll cover and this will be in that tiger lake tiger king video i do but i mean it's there's i think this is a hint of what we can expect for the uh architecture changes in zen 3 this is a monolithic 8 core and despite having a fourth the cache of what's in the desktop chips it's performing as well as much more energy using processors so i think there's no way around it i think Those projections that Zen 3 will have 10 to 20% more IPC than Zen 2 with chiplets is pretty easy to conclude at this point. And that the monolithic 8-core Zen 3 APUs are going to bury Tiger Lake.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think maybe AMD should consider doing more monolithic CPUs for
0: their (laughs) lower end if this is what they can get out of them. Yeah, we'll just have to see how they handle it with Zen 3. And and again, I guess the only other thing I'll add is we start talking about Cezanne in this podcast right after the interjection ends. And yeah, I just doubled down on anything I said. You know, a 7 nanometer EUV version of Renoir with more compute units is going to destroy any 8-core Tiger Lake. Because, you know, going to 7 nanometer EUV, if it's at 4.4 gigahertz on N7P, I now expect it to be at like, you know, 4.8 gigahertz. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Renoir, we covered it, but we wanted to interject now that official benchmarks are out. The Linus Tech Tips splash screen of an Intel sign on fire is very apt. I think this is it. This is a budget chip outperforming Intel's premium line, outperforming what Intel's premium lineup will be later in 2020. And the eight core Tiger Lakes are expected Uh, mid-2021. I don't, I think that AMD is walking away with mobile or at least some of the mobile market share sooner than we expected.
1: I mean, yeah, unless they have a really good deal with Intel, I don't see why OEMs wouldn't, at least some OEMs. They're going to take some market share. Yeah. Okay. I'm
0: not saying they're going to take all of it, but yeah. All right. Well, that's what we think. We wanted to jump in. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Well, let us move on. Ike writes in, just like you guys can, and he says, would you bet $50 that that 20 compute unit Renoir APU comes to AM4? No. (laughs) Now. Could it come to AM4? I think it could. I think it's 7 nanometer EUV. That die size is going to be 200 millimeter squared, probably at most. Uh, so um, they certainly could. I just, you know what? They might do it though, because if it comes out, if Saison comes out at the end of 2020, it might be the 4000 series 4400G 4, next to Zen 3 launches. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, yeah, I don't know. And I they mean, could launch Renoir cut down as Athlons, except in the 4000 series, not the 3000 series. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I mean, I feel like they'll probably put most of those in laptops. And <laughs> I guess if there's low bend ones, they might uh, throw them to us
0: as mm-hmm. desktop users, but. Yeah, but I don't know. And I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, why don't they put the Xbox SoC on AM4? And first of all, there's no way it would work. It's, it needs, it's like soldered onto the motherboard, and it, it, I don't think it would have the, I'm forgetting the words, but like the, the, the pins, I don't think would be compatible uh, with how much IO is going through that. And I don't even think it might necessarily fit on that socket. It's a big APU. How big was it again, you said? 360 millimeters squared. So, if you okay. think about how big Zen 2 is, it's 271 millimeter squared. So, and then a 140 millimeter. I mean, maybe you could barely fit it on there.
1: I, I don't know. I would suspect you would need a custom, or not a, new a cu- socket. A new socket, yeah, for it. Or maybe put it on Epic. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do for their server clusters for Microsoft, which, again, I think that's really interesting. This console APU is basically a server cluster APU as well. Yeah. Um, those could be soldered on, but I guess it would be interesting if those were just in Epic sockets.
1: I mean, that, I was just throwing out
0: a random idea. but <laughs> No, I know you're not saying like, you're going to bet that. But yeah, so I don't know that I would bet that, Ikes. Ex- um, I, they'll bring powerful APUs to desktop eventually. I'm just, I, I, there is a certain amount of figuring out when they want to do it. I think late this year would be the time to do it when you're phasing out all of these old 1600, 2700X products, if you do. Um, because you just, it's going to be tricky. Because I mean, Renoir, top Renoir supposedly competes with a 3800X. If that actually is true, a 7 nanometer EUV 8 core. I mean, that'd probably be their best gaming CPU. I don't know what you sell that for. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's the problem is their monolithic CPUs are starting to become so good. They're going to displace their only one-year-old chiplet designs. Probably. Maybe they'll have to go for a more hybrid approach in
1: the future if that comes to fruition. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I think we should move on. So, anyways, this comes from Notebook Check. Rumor Intel's upcoming 6-nanometer and 3-nanometer Z GPUs to be built by using TSMC following the 10-nanometer debacle. And I quote, in a startling revelation, not that startling, we've heard rumors of this from Adorn and others, Uh, sources told Tech News Taiwan that Intel is abandoning its own 10-nanometer process for its Z GPU lineup after DG1. Instead, Team Blue will be partnering with TSMC to building... Upcoming Z GPUs on their 6 and 3 nanometer process in the years to come. So I think, again, it says, I I do have apprehension to these rumors, because I have people that work with Intel that say, no, they're really planning to use 10 nanometer for some products, but the ones after their first launch of low power products, so then DG2 are planned to be used on Intel 7 nanometer, but then they emphasize. But of course, they have TSMC already being talked to as a backup 7-nanometer supplier. Now it's worth pointing out, 6-nanometer at TSMC, is, it's like Samsung's 8-nanometer. Eight, Samsung's 8-nanometer eight is really third-gen 10-nanometer. TSMC's 6-nanometer is really a refined 7-nanometer. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think about this story? Um,
1: it makes me, once again... Intel is apprehensive about their own abilities to manufacture at 7 nanometer in the future. Um,
0: I really don't know what else to say about it, though. Yeah, I guess I don't either. I guess the only thing I'll emphasize is stuff I've kind of said before. Intel is, of course, considering other nodes, but I do think their 10 nanometer will be real. But again, the fact that they would port Willow Cove to 14 nanometer for 8 cores on desktop really tells you... They don't want to make big dies on 10 nanometer anytime because of the defect rate because they just don't work out well. Yeah, that's true. So I I think a single tile solution on 10 nanometer, I, I would be I will be surprised if they don't make lower end cards on with one tile on 10 nanometer. But then again, they 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 piece tiles together. Well, yeah, but I'm DG1 how many, uh... is just one tile anyways. They don't plan to use more than one tile for the, for the first iteration. So once they move to multiple tiles, it, it does not surprise me. They would go to TSMC, I guess. But How many like uh,
1: execution units were on a tile again? It's Well, so the tile is coming
0: it... out now is literally just 96 execution okay, units. It's just the Tiger Lake put in a graphics card. Okay, that's what I thought. But they plan to do 128 execution units per tiles uh, once yeah, they get yeah, to DG2. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I guess with that defect rate, maybe the only option for dyes that big would be, or maybe they're worried the only option would be TSMC or, what, their 14 nanometer that
0: they have right now. Yeah, I guess I don't have much else to say. Let us move on. Number six, TSMC reports N5P process, 84% density increase over the original N7 process. And I quote from Wikichip. From a device power and performance perspective, TSMC says devices offer 15% higher speed at ISO power or, alternatively, 30% lower power at the same speed. These numbers are consistent with what was reported previously. Generally, we expect to reduce chip size by 35 to 40%, which is what they did going from Vega 64 to Radeon 7. Um, Really, it seems like density is the big deal here, then power, then speed, which is, I think, what we're going to keep seeing, Dan, as we move into smaller nodes. Um, what do you think about this?
1: <laughs> Definitely, that thing that you said—density, then power, then speed—is a big thing. I mean, you've seen for a while now. There's been the leveling off of uh, clock speeds. I mean, it seems like Intel's pretty much stuck at five gigahertz, and even no with other company like
0: half a decade of refining yeah. the same process.
1: And TSMC, what what does uh, Zen 3 get to? Like 4.7 gigahertz
0: And sometimes? So Zen 2 gets to 4.7 yeah, gigahertz. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's a split second when it does it. <laughs> um, and then Zen 3 is expected to be 1 to 200 megahertz higher. So 4.9 gigahertz just to troll the what happened to 5 gigahertz trolls. And then I think this. I would assume they will go up a hundred megahertz for five nanometer because people uh, scratch at their eyes if you don't get higher core clocks every generation for some reason. But I think that's about it. I think that's. I think AMD is basically on Zen four or whatever. It's just going to max out on five nanometer, five gigahertz, and that'll be it. Yeah, I but think but we'll it's see. obvious we're not going above five. But we'll see way better IPC. So. <laughs> Yeah, it won't matter. We'll see significantly better IPC. And again, what really fascinates me is how much smaller these chips are going to be able to get. Again, a Zen 2 quad core takes up 16 millimeters squared. So we're getting to about 10 millimeters squared for a quad core on five nanometer. And then, uh, yeah, so 20 millimeter squared for eight cores. And then you could probably throw in a small graphics card. I mean, we're talking about something the size of Core M lake field that has eight cores and last-gen console graphics attached on 5 nanometer. And then imagine shrinking it that much again to 3 nanometer to where you have something that fits in a smartphone. Yeah, so I mean, I would say by 2022 we will have PS4 performance in smartphones. Yeah, probably. Probably more. Maybe PS4 Pro. I I, I don't think you'll be at um, next-gen graphics performance. You're not getting Xbox Series X performance in a smartphone anytime soon, but no, in but four years, five years in five
1: years. Yeah, I, I, I Which don't, is not a surprise. I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how phones have scaled for a while now. That's shouldn't come as a shock to anyone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and we now have a reader mail from blokes. Intel has ears in everything x86 and steals anything it can get its grubby hands on. AMD then releases a CPU architecture with non deterministic clock speeds and opportunistic boost clocks that aren't manually achievable on all cores. Suddenly, Intel's new coffee lake refresh, Comet Lake S, has boost clocks higher than anything previously achieved and overclocks under the same conditions. So Blooks is saying, do you think Intel is now copying AMD's, uh, <laughs> almost fake boost clocks? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I do think, I mean, to be clear, I think Intel is forced to do this. I think there's, I'm telling you, those Comet Lake 10 cores are not clocking all 10 cores to 5.3 gigahertz. There's no fucking way.
1: Yeah, I mean, what? These are, to some degree, marketing speak, and AMD came out with a new way of,
0: Phrasing their clock speeds, I guess I I don't really know. How much it's it has not to do with even anything. really a new way of phrasing their clock speeds. At stock settings, Intel would not boost all cores to the top turbo boost. My Whiskey Lake did not clock all four cores to 4.9 gigahertz, but it would clock one core for a split second to 4.9. Again, that's how boost boost clocks work. Well, I know, but I think people think AMD's lying because you can't get all cores to 4.7 with tons of voltage. But I mean, I'm sure if that Whiskey Lake was in a socket, I could get all four cores to 4.9.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, I I guess uh, I don't remember really later generations, but I know early on it seemed that you could usually expect to be able to overclock like all... Intel cores to to the boost clock to the boost clock like that was just expected like oh it boosts to four point three gigahertz that means I can clock it to four point three gigahertz
0: right and, and that's the point is I don't think AMD's line I just think their architecture is different and only one core is actually able to do that for a split second and I think that's what Intel's going to be forced to do now to compete right. And at the same time, I don't think Intel was lying about TDP. I think they built their CPUs to throttle a lot. They did. Yeah. Laptop architectures. And I think maybe AMD should do the same and be, well, actually, AMDs don't need to throttle as much and they don't actually have as low of a minimum voltage. It's just different. It's just different. You know, Intel isn't lying about TDP in laptops or anything like that. When Intel can be somewhat accused of lying is when they show that TDP on a box, and all AIB motherboards auto-overclock the TDP to 130 watts in default settings. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you are de facto lying. They're not really lying, but there's, um, there's no whatever, right? Whatever it is, Z170, Z270, Z370 motherboards. That aren't coming with default settings that raise the TDP from stock. None of them do. They all do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, come on, right? Yeah, uh, ninety. Yeah. What, what, what? What? I'm not trying to cut you off. It's like the 9700 non K, 65 watts. Come on. <laughs> what does that on, does that not only use 65 watts? Like at stuff, like, and then and then they ship that you know two dollar stock fan cooler.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess both uh, companies, I guess you could accuse of doing m- some marketing speak to make their car- uh, c- c- CPUs look better than what they actually are, but I think that's also based on uh, some improper assumptions that we have about what those numbers mean. Yeah. Coming from both of them. There's a
0: funny question, though, Blokes.
1: It is not really a question, more of a more of a uh, deductive statement, but... Yeah.
0: Currently, I am in the process of breaking down my mining rigs. It's just not profitable anymore, and I want to use some of the spare parts, plus a few new ones, to build my first benchmarking station. Now, what most people might not be able to guess is that my mining rigs all used windows and ones with legitimate keys. But getting those legitimate keys was a hassle. I was forced to scour eBay and be discerning and making sure that the people selling those $10 Windows keys weren't a scam. And sometimes the keys didn't work and I had to fight for my money back. But you don't have to if you go to CDK Offers. Go to CDKOffers.com and use the promotional code Broken Silicon to get 25% off an already cheap list price of Windows 10 Professional. Then all you do is click on your email account, go to user center, and then my purchase orders to get the code. Just use this code with a normal download of windows 10 professional from Microsoft's website. All right. Links in the description. Anyways, (laughs) let us move on to story number seven. AMD Ryzen 4000 Zen 3 Vermeer desktop CPU and Radeon RX Navi 2X RDNA 2 graphics cards are expected to launch in October of 2020. This article comes from WCCF Tech. According to the source, the announcement for the Zen 3-based Ryzen 4000 Vermeer CPUs and the RDNA 2-based Radeon RX Navi 2X graphics cards is a very long sentence, will be held (laughs) prior to their release, so we are looking at either an August or September announcement for these next-gen AMD products. And platforms. But the most surprising thing to hear is both the CPU and GPUs would launch simultaneously, and this is something I talked about in my PlayStation video near the end where I brought up some new... It's, it's pretty safe to assume any video of mine, no matter what it's about, there's going to be some new leak about an Intel or an AMD launch because of how good of sources I have by now with those companies. And yeah, that's what they said. They want PlayStation and Xbox to come out in the fall with high launch uh volume they want to say this is your four k sixty intro and we will have mid range cards around the same performance again mid range is now four hundred to five hundred dollars though guys keep that in mind, and then we will have you know eight hundred to one thousand dollar cards that are four k one twenty hertz, and they want it to be and this was the quote the source said is looking for a show of force this thanksgiving i um, I'm curious. And Zen three is included, so that's a little surprising to me, though. I well, that's the only thing in this article. Let me say that before we get into the conversation. It's a little surprising that they want Zen three to potentially be announced at the same time, because I've been told—I'm just being honest with you guys—mixed information about when Zen three is launching on desktop.
1: And uh, I don't guess I don't know too much about the console CPUs actually. Now that I think about it, are they supposed to be uh, Zen two based or Zen?
0: No Zen. I mean Renoir based. Yeah. Rem, okay. Yeah. I believe. But they have their own customizations. They're Zen 2 based. They may have some Zen 3 features, some Renoir features, some blah, blah, blah features. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, It's interesting. It sounds like they're almost trying to market market their graphics cards as... I mean, their graphics is like three different tiers of the consoles and their own uh, desktop line. I don't know. I think it's interesting. And I wonder if Sony and Microsoft like
0: that or not. (laughs) Well, you know, it's something I've thought of before. I mean, look, the bill materials I have, at this point, I'm readjusting it a little bit. I think the Xbox costs about $30 more to make. That's my estimation. I don't believe the PlayStation 5 is $470 or $450. I think those people are wrong. (laughs) I disagree with them. And I think some of the costs have been cut since whatever that teardown was. So I think the PlayStation 5 is probably close to $400 to make. But it might be like 424 430 30 so it's up to Sony if they want to take that 10 percent hit and sell it at a loss. I think they will. Now the Xbox, I believe is closer to like 470 480 80 to make and I think for numerous reasons I don't want to get into now that they'll sell it for 500. They're confident. and also Sony is very much a half Nintendo at this point. Sony needs to hold the gaming market. They've closed multiple parts of their company. If they lose the gaming market, if they lose place, if they lost PlayStation or cameras, they're fucked. Right. Well, and as PlayStation is their number one. I I think it is now. I haven't checked before this, but I think it is. So they can't lose that. So I think Sony is needs to be aggressive. At the same time, it is abundantly obvious Xbox is pivoting into being more of a PC brand which I think is common sense. It's Microsoft. It's Windows, baby. Come on. So I think it makes sense why they want to profit off of each console sold because it's not all or nothing. It's all or nothing for Sony. If they don't win this gen, at least as well as the PS3 did, at the end of the day, it's bad. (laughs) Right? Well, yeah, and the
1: amount of money they pump into their first-party studios, like that's... Clearly Sony's focus at this point
0: is first parties. Right. So in other words, all that thing about the consoles I just said. My point is I don't think they mind what AMD says. Their consoles are 400 and 500 or maybe 450 or 500, maybe both 450, I don't know. They're both between $400 and $500. I'm yeah. very confident in that. I don't think they care if AMD markets a $800 graphics card as 4K 120.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I I guess the framing, which this probably isn't how they would frame it, is the... No, and Here's he's the, not going to like, here's a sh-
0: piece of shit. Here's shitty
1: RDNA, too. Yeah, uh-huh. this is
0: the shitty one brought to you by Sony and Xbox. <laughs> Thanks, idiots. I don't think that's what they would say. But no, I, I mean, yeah,
1: if they can come out at the same time with superior desktop CPUs, which I think Zen 3 will be undisputably the superior uh Unless RDNA, they can
0: make 16 core tiger Lake,
1: rdna2 which will probably be a fight between nvidia
0: and amd although and again they- it, it sounds like they're using a partial i haven't covered this yet but i've been told guys so this is kind of new i guess for my listeners if all you listen to is me which is all you should listen to me and dan are the only truth if you're listening to anyone else you are a non-believer um but I've been told recently that seven the, the, the consoles are made on a partial EUV process. A yeah, Cortex yeah. covered that he says it's an EUV, maybe, and they're hiding it from NVIDIA, which is an interesting idea. But I've been told it's partial EUV. I, I don't know for sure, but that's what someone said to me. It's 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 partially uses EUV. It's not completely. If AMD, I always said if AMD's on N7 or N7P, which is kind of what we've been assuming. NVIDIA is almost a node behind on eight nanometer. Yeah. Not entirely, but almost. And I do think if they make cards 50% bigger, they can tie AMD or slightly whim. But I said if AMD is on seven nanometer EUV, it's over. There is no competition here. It doesn't matter. Like it's, they're over a node ahead of NVIDIA, unlike a node ahead before. It's over, you know? And it sounds like they might actually be a node ahead. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't... Well... well for, it wouldn't surprise you if they made the top... For desktop? Uh, no. ...cards on seven, 7 nanometer EUV and no, they not. made the lower ones on a partial process. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I guess that covers kind of what we expect from the graphics cards. And again, it kind of surprises me Zen 3 will be ready because I've been told they're considering delaying it. But again, you know, Zen 3 was always slotted for 2020, so maybe they're just being real conservative. And you see that. You see Microsoft clearly wants to launch their Xbox in Thanksgiving, and they retracted that announcement. And then you see Sony kind of being cagey, saying holiday 2020 season for a while, and then all of a sudden recently saying, no, it's a full launch in 2020. It's clear now they believe they have their supply chains guaranteed, I think. Um, and they were being cagey yeah. a week ago because <laughs> no one
1: knew what was going to happen. Hopefully, we'll see more confidence from Microsoft and Sony soon. It seems like and AMD, yeah, AMD. It seems like they're go, They are more confident now than they were a couple weeks ago.
0: But yeah, so I guess that's. I mean, what we think is, guys, based. Uh, it's a, forget this article. I've been told similar things from sources. Uh, I think. I think this could be a banner year for AMD at the very end. Although it's been a rough year for everyone overall, right? Yeah, the only thing I would say
1: is there could be still some there might be some uh ambiguity in There is the there's graphics still uncertainty
0: cards. out there in everything right now.
1: Yeah, and I'm saying with graphics cards specifically there
0: could be some ambiguity for who looks better at the end of this year. Oh yeah, and we still don't know entirely what Ampere's got. Yeah. You know, so I, I really think they're gonna be close. <laughs> I don't think anyone's gonna have some 30% performance win. I guess what I'll say is I expect the top cards this year. To be way closer in performance than Radeon 7 is to the titan rtx yeah yeah steak and chicken man writes in just like you all can and he says it's interesting to speculate on what will happen with amd's global foundries agreement i believe that wsa is valid until 2023 slash 2024 would it make sense for them to continue making 14 or 12 nanometer glofo chips in three years time Honestly, uh, I'm not sure. I know they want seven nanometer IO dyes for 2022, but at the same time, I could see them using the 12 nanometer uh, FDX process, which is, I think, almost equal kind of with early TSMC seven nanometer. I could see them using that for like some kind of a Jaguar successor in 2021. But once you get into twenty twenty three, I don't see them making any sixteen hundred X's, twenty seven hundred X's, anything on twelve nanometer, fourteen nanometer, anything, anything anymore there. Right? Well, what I'm trying to think, so
1: they're what what are they currently making on Global Foundry? Like so they have their well, twelve still nanometer IOs, right? Chips, right? Yeah. And yeah. their IO. Yeah. Uh and what is our PS4s still being manufacturing at Global Foundry? or Oh, I don't know.
0: I think that and the Xboxes are made at TSMC, actually.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. So I don't know. It seems like Global Foundries has been... It seems like there might be issues with filling capacity at Global Foundry if they're moving most of their stuff to TSMC.
0: Well, and and I mean, for those who listen to the John Petty broken silicon, you'll hear I basically asked this question to him. And he said... You know, I just think it's going to be less and less of a question. And by the time we get to 2023, there won't be a question anymore. I, I really feel like, and I and that's the feeling I'm getting here too, is look, Global Foundries is going to have to go to 5 nanometer. They're going to. They said they had the design for 7 nanometer done, and it was a bu- business decision to not do it because they didn't want to do the expenditure, and they don't just need to supply AMD and NVIDIA or you know, they supply so many other chip makers that aren't the biggest players and that yeah. they don't care about that expenditure. I think eventually they're going to have to, though. They're going to have to basically skip to 5 nanometer. Whenever they do, maybe AMD will use them. But look, guys, when you look at Renoir's performance, when you look at the, what, hundreds of billions of dollars Samsung and TSMC are putting into their foundries right now, I just think you know we're going to see 12 nanometer legacy chips from AMD for another year. And then I guess by 2022, I think it's basically all TSMC and Samsung for AMD, except for, again, do I think they could use some kind of 12 nanometer FDX or maybe there'll be a 10 nanometer FDX for like a Jaguar successor? Yeah, I do. But I think it's basically like it's done. It'll be done. And they'll renegotiate that contract, I guarantee, this year or next year again. And it'll be basically over by 2022, I think. They, they, They will no longer be at all tethered to global foundries, I think. Unless they can keep uh die shrinking old CPUs. Oh. But well, well, I just don't see the point. Yeah, I don't know. No, there's no point in them selling that. I think eventually it will be cheaper for them to just use Renoir. Probably well, it seems like Renoir's almost
1: it looks like that Renoir might take over their twenty bottom. Their low lower. lot, their yeah. bottom lot and uh CPUs. Yeah. So That's what I think.
0: Anyways, uh, Bootman writes in and he says, at what point does AMD need to make a decision about what node they will use? So like RDNA 3.0, when do they have to choose the node? You know, I I don't think there's a clear answer to this uniformly. I don't think it's just like, oh, it's this time. You saw these arguments with the consoles where they were just like, these designs are locked in place two years ahead of time. No,
1: they're not. Well, there's no way they're not because they're using tech that's uh, not out yet. So <laughs> so we know that that's not true. Um, so, I mean, I would guess that a lot of that has to happen within the year.
0: But I think it's kind of hard to say right now just because everyone keeps forgetting N7, N7P, N6, N7 Plus are all... Yeah. Are, of, I think one of them's not compatible. I don't remember which one it was. I think they're mostly design compatible with each other, though. The amount so, of node Gnosticism too, makes it yeah. more interesting. Yeah, so it's like all of these nodes, and this is something I have been told by sources at AMD, is, it yeah, there was a direct quote, expect a mix of nodes for all product launches moving forward. Oh, that is interesting. So yeah. it's like, look, whatever RDNA2 is, the top ones might be 7 nanometer EUV, and then for capacity and again, cost reasons they don't need the best node for these the mid-range chips are all n7p and the budget chips are all just you know regular old n7 or who who the heck knows what else you know six nanometer for laptop chips they can easily do this they have the money now to use the nodes they need based on capacity performance and cost so i think the overall designs are based on a specific node that's for sure but then at the, yeah. not the last minute, but the last year, they can choose to port it to a closer node if they want to. So for RDNA 3, though, specifically, I mean, that's expected. Well, let's see, RDNA 2 is this year. RDNA 3 is the year after. I don't know if that's on 6 nanometer. Then it's probably pretty much locked to one of these nodes. You know, 6, 7 plus, you know, all of that. But if it's planned for 5 nanometer, N5P. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say that's probably decided years ahead of time. But yeah, I mean, and, and look at Maxwell. Right, Maxwell was planned for twenty nanometer, and then they ported it to uh, twenty eight. Yeah, they backported it, and then they front ported it to Pascal, and then upgraded it some more. So it, it, these decisions, I guess, here's how I'll answer this question, Bootman: These decisions on what node they will use are made early and uh, mid like early to mid in development of a new architecture but they can decide to port them a year before comes
1: out and they clearly have to port them fairly often based on you know how how well other companies timelines move as well so there has to be some level of uh
0: agility to these companies to it like, just costs money and yeah, grunt yeah, yeah and yeah. brute force to have people do the work Engineering, programming, moving it to a different node—like when you're seeing NV- NVIDIA is choosing between several nodes for Ampere. So again, I think the answer is you have to choose early what node you plan to use. But the decision to port it to another one can probably be made a year before the product comes out, or less than a year. If you're NVIDIA, I think they are rushing 8 nanometer But it's not like they can do it a few months—that's for sure. And 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 if you wanted to port it to another node a year before it comes out you have to remember it better be a reliable, proven node. Yeah. Like, which is, like, Navi was supposed to come out, I believe, three months sooner than it did, but they had to do another tap-out, so. Anyways, let us move on to story number eight. AMD's RDNA 2 next-gen architecture for Radeon is not identical to the Xbox Series X or PS5. This comes from WCCF Tech, and I quote, there is a very good reason why both the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X have listed the architecture used as custom RDNA 2 instead of just RDNA 2. This is a point that AMD wanted to drive home and specifically insisted on. They do not want gamers confusing the RDNA 2 used in the Xbox Series X and PS5 with that of the upcoming Radeon cards. Therefore, the custom prefix is used. And I, I like this story, too, because it's it's... Both the PlayStation and the Xbox have custom changes to their architectures that will benefit their specific APU design positively. But there's also cost-cutting, guys. Like, these are not literally the same architectures. Just like Renoir is not literally the same Zen 2 architecture as these well, other chiplet ones.
1: And just like the PS4 and Xbox One, they weren't literally using what would, shit, what's any of the architecture they would have been using. Well, RDNA 1. Is no, that what you're talking about? No, the PS4 and Xbox One.
0: Oh, so yeah, the, an, a good example I like to give is the PS4 and Xbox One base both were using GCM. Yeah, yeah. However, the PS4s was like a hybrid of a 7870 and a 7970 architecture. Most of the 7870, in terms of actual like performance number counts, teraflops, number of cores, but then it had asynchronous compute and other enhancements that were in the 7970. And moving forward, uh, they used kind of a hybrid of Polaris and Vega for the PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, and that launched a year before Vega even came out. Yeah. And then the Xbox just used mostly standard Polaris, right? With no FP6 team. But then again, and again, you know, the PlayStation 4 Pro had 64 ROPs, double that of the Xbox One X. Like, <laughs> And and in many ways, I've, what I've had described to me is it really wasn't like a Polaris Vega hybrid. It was really a 290X Vega hybrid architecture in the <laughs> PS4 Pro. So, you know, uh, again, whatever they use in these consoles is uh, whatever well, they think will give them the best performance, and they're not stupid.
1: And you have to remember, they're using, they're licensing AMD's IP and co-developing chips with them. They're not just, Sony isn't buying an Sixty five hundred XT and putting it in a PS five and calling
0: it a day. Like, <laughs> no, neither of these companies are doing that, and I'm sure the Xbox has some specific features that we don't know about yet. Although so far it seems to be mostly RDNA two. You know, yeah, we well whatever we whatever it is, and we won't know that though completely
1: until AMD says what RDNA two is though. So
0: you know, and actually on that note, that's something people seem to not understand uh, the different design methodologies. Sony has a long history of genuinely having custom architectures, whereas Xbox tends to beef them up. Right? Yeah, I, I don't think that's
1: a bad way to put it. I mean, yeah, and you can say what argue which philosophy is better because uh, I mean, you could say well, Sony's probably spending more money on the front end than
0: they're spending a lot more R and D. Like for instance, I know their custom SSD doesn't cost that much more to make than what's in the Xbox, but they spent a lot more R and D on designing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's merits to both. (laughs) Yes. And let us move on to a reader mail. Fanboy Diesel writes in and he says, I'll bet you $5 that the big Chungus Navi Sapphire Toxic 6900 XT will tempt you to forgo your Radeon 7 for mining and editing for three years like you keep saying you plan. You know what, Fatboy Diesel? I'm not betting you because I think that might be true. (laughs) We'll see. I like cool things. You know, big, cool graphics cards and such. So, again, me and Dan were actually talking the other night. What would it take for me to upgrade to the biggest Navi? And it's like, hey, look, guys, if it's reasonably priced and it legitimately rent, if it games twice as well and renders twice as well and it'll save me time, I'll pay like 800 bucks again or something. Yeah. And, And that might end up happening. So I'm not making that bet because... Uh, It it might tempt me. Although for mining, uh, I don't think I'm going to be doing much mining in a year. (laughs) And did they ever figure out those issues
1: with Navi mining? Because they were pretty bad at mining. Oh yeah, it's like 50 mega hash. Okay, never mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's fine. I believe. I haven't bothered. I just have a bunch of Vega cards and I've sold most of them off. Let's move on to another one. 4K Sage of Geeks writes in and he says, Vulcan versus DX12. uh, Ultimate. And the next gen consoles, who do you think has the edge? My bet is DX12 Ultimate, but I'm a little biased. Uh, well, I don't think there's any real difference. I think the devs are going to use whichever. So I'm not. So I think there's two ways to answer this question. I'm not sure if you're asking on desktop. On desktop, I don't think either API is really better. I've heard DX12 Ultimate is basically all marketing from someone. Because, well, DX12 never took off in a way that
1: they were hoping it would, too, which is. So it's interesting. It seems like the even Microsoft APIs always fall flat.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't want to chalk it up to anything specific. It's kind of like how they say every other Windows release sucks, <laughs> right? Like eight was the one everyone complained about. Ten, everyone likes. Seven was good. No one liked Vista. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, uh, that that is how I think they should have just called it thirteen so people use it. I think. I mean, I think you have a point. Like whether it's a coincidence or not, that's definitely true. But um, uh, so I don't know. I think I think Vulcan's proven very impressive. All right, uh, Vulcan games run great. Although I will say DirectX 12 in the latest game seems to run pretty well now.
1: And I'll also say for consoles, Sony, Sony you can't really take advantage of. DX12 at all, right?
0: Unless I'm mistaken. What does that even mean? Take advantage of. They don't use, their, use DX12. ATA, yeah, so <laughs> for next-gen There's consoles... There's no advantage to DX12. DX12 has more overhead than Vulkan. Yeah, so for next-gen, I mean, if we're talking about Sony, well, Sony can't really use DX12, so... Well, it doesn't make sense to use DX12. Cortex covered this in his video of the next-gen consoles. DX12 has more overhead. It's not better. Yeah. It is... Well, I'm I'm not a hardware nor software engineer, so I won't get into the benefits. But I most engineers I've talked to think Vulkan's better, guys. And Sony doesn't use Vulkan. They use their own Vulkan-ish yeah. uh, API that is more low-level. And that at least that's what Cortex has told me, is that they have a slight performance boost by not using DX12. And they always will. DX12 is meant to make it easy to program against a bazillion different pieces of hardware. It's weird they use it in a console, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. But it's because they want the game to literally be developed for PC first and then just be on Xbox. Yeah. So I get why they do it, which is why they probably want that extra teraflops so that the, 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 the overhead doesn't hurt them. That was a big problem with the Xbox One base's launch. They were using DX11, and that's why their frame rates were actually lower. It wasn't even the graphics card half the time. It was the fact that they were using six... 6-week C- CPU cores at 1.7 gigahertz. They were using a graphics API that wasn't even good at using multiple cores. <laughs> they, of course, gave Xbox the DX12 update, which I was laughing. I-, I just couldn't believe this was a thing we had to deal with on a console. But, uh, yeah, I-, I mean, there is just, uh, from what I'm told, there's some inherent overhead there. I don't, I think so, DX12 Ultimate is just marketing. I don't. Yeah, unless DX12 Ultimate is lower level, then maybe it would be
1: better <laughs> than it used to be, but I don't know if it's actually any different than DX12,
0: so. Yeah. Headshot5606 writes in, and he says, so if you haven't seen the Linus video about the falling price of 2.5 GBE networking, I highly recommend it. I also started transitioning my home network to multi-gigabit, and I'm curious if you think more things will truly move to multi-gigabit 2.5, 5, 5, or even 10 gigabit in the near future. Dan, you're the expert Um, on this one.
1: Uh, well, I, I watched the video that he talked about, and I don't know. It, it was interesting. It's a fun little networking video to watch. Uh, so basically, he upgraded his uh, house to be uh, ten gigabit compatible.
0: Right. So at he those ca- speeds,
1: you he just up- need a yeah. Yeah, he upgraded all of the cords in his house to Cat six A, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and for like a thousand dollars, so hmm. I don't th- personally it's not much. It's not terrible, but it's not going to. Pr- really appreciate the value of your house because no one cares about that right now and i don't know when 10 gigabit is going to be relevant to most consumers it makes sense why linus would upgrade his house to that since they're sharing data between uh computers constantly so i mean if you need to share data between computers constantly with a high data rate maybe upgrade your house but i don't think it i don't think it's necessary to do right now based on what i've
0: yeah, and his, a, his actual question, too, about being curious if things will truly move to multi-gigabit, I, I don't think so in the near future. What's I, the near well, future? The, yeah, you're right. What's the near future, right? And I think you have to think of infrastructure, at least here in America. I mean, it would be nice if we could just get to single gigabit for our internet, you know? I mean, yeah, like in the U.S., oh, if
1: you, yeah, you can upgrade your house to 10 gigabyte capability, but you still have a... One gigabit pipe at best, uh, going a, into your house. A ten meg
0: pipe. <laughs> ten meg pipe. <laughs> so when, so when I just said ten meg pipe, was it yeah. Law and Order, SVU, uh, NCIS? It just, was, you it should was, just
1: include that clip in the description.
0: So in an NCIS, there was this is from like over ten years ago, I think. This was one of those cringeworthy procedural show, investigatory shows where they go around and find a pro gamer or something, and they're like the nerd, I think, right, at the lab says, oh, is that a... Is that an 8? Is that a a 10-core? 16. With a 10-meg pipe. 16-core with a 10-meg pipe. That's what someone said in a TV show. I have a 16-core with a 10-meg pipe. Whoa. Remember, this was over 10 years ago, so there's no way this woman gamer had a 16-core. And then it was later revealed that
1: he looked at her username and he said, you have the high score in all of the... Most, uh, massively multiplayer online RPGs.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're just using Budworth. Yeah,
1: yeah. You have the highest. What did you say? You have score? the high scores in all of the massively. Multi- that doesn't even make sense.
0: Massive multiplayer online role playing games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even if we were to take, I don't know what that would mean. The high scores in these games, but even if there was a the high scores in all these MMOs. Um, yeah, they require losing your entire life to even get remotely close to the top 100. So no one's getting the top score in all of the massively. What did they say? Whatever MMOs, massive multiplayer online. They clearly had just googled most popular games yeah. 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that was an aside side we just did, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think. Um, I don't think a lot of things are going to be moving to multi gigabit soon. I think your devices will, most of them, high-end ones, will be capable of it. Like, I know, I don't remember what my motherboard's capable of, but I think it's capable of 10 gigabit right now. Yeah,
1: it's mostly about upping the infrastructure in your house to be able to support all of that. Um, I mean, and if you want to do it, I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but I don't think it's necessary at all yet.
0: Well, let us move on. And, and so we've gone through all of the stories. So we just have a few more reader mails here. Edward G. Du writes in. I don't know how to, to say it. it says, it's getting ridiculous and funny at this point for me. They said the PS5 would be RDNA 1 until Sony directly said it is RDNA 2. Now people are acting like it's quote-unquote really RDNA 2 with RD, RT from RDNA 2. Jesus, can people stop the nonsense? And yeah, I don't think the nonsense is ever going to stop until the launch. And that's why I keep emphasizing, hey, if Sony wants to say they've got the superior console, they need to show the goddamn games graphics and play and types of games they can make to shut people up because until they do people won't be quiet and frankly i don't think they'll be quiet even if people were proven wrong you know i I think there's no way around it when you hear this when you hear people say they're lying it's rdna2 even though sony helped design rdna2 you just know there's no reasoning with fanboys i have nothing else to really say um it, it is pretty funny It is pretty funny. You know, this is getting us to, and this is, you know, story nine now. Any last thoughts on the consoles? You know, I'm kind of done. Watch my PlayStation video, my three Xbox videos, and Cortex's next-gen console video, which I thought was one of his best videos, don't you think? Yeah, and our loose ends that we did recently. And our loose ends where we ramble all over the place. But but this story number nine is any last thoughts on the consoles? Because I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to be tired of talking about them now. It's time for me to start ranting about Intel again.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, my general summary of my thoughts is we haven't seen anything from either console yet. Yeah, they showed a uh, Gears of War dev, but it... Oh, yeah, and that looked good.
0: It did. (laughs) I mean, it was
1: 4K60. And we saw State of Decay load twice as fast on an Xbox Series X. That's all we've seen from them. We've seen nothing from Sony yet. We know that some devs are saying it's the superior console. Uh, We know that if you do really, really charitable math, you might get 20% performance advantage on the Xbox Series X. And Tom's going to quickly say, no, not really. But I'm saying if you're being really charitable, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might get to 20%. Sure. Uh, they're di- differently designed consoles, though. So that math doesn't really work doesn't out. Doesn't really mean anything, honestly. Uh, once again, back to you, devs. We know some devs are saying they're pretty much performing the same, except one has a better solid state drive. Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't know what else to say. Is I'm getting t- tired talking about it at this point.
1: Either they're going to be very similarly performing consoles. With, with one that, loading faster. Or the PS5 is going to be a Game changer. And hopefully it's a game changer, but we don't know.
0: Yeah, that's something Cortex has been telling me too behind the scenes in our offline conversations that he, I hope he doesn't mind me quoting him here, but I think this is things he wouldn't be afraid to uh, have said, you know, that he's worried PC gaming could be left behind a little bit. Because if if what he's been told is true, we're talking about, and what I'm told too, I'll just say I've been told similar things. The the fundamental advantage, because this is what people don't get Like The way that there has been latency reductions in the PS5, I'm told, that certain tasks require half the resources now. And if that's true, I don't know how desktop—it's not about the PlayStation 5. I don't know how the desktop PC that we're used to building competes with highly integrated APUs of the future. We've been talking about this. I think APUs are the way they're going to scale performance soon. We're going to have to see proof that it is not just and again i would emphasize it's not about less load times i'm told they're gone like i'm told the difference is a 10 seconds to load a game and half a second load times are gone on one console yeah it's not just about gigabytes per second the tiered storage the 12 channels you know like that it's much more than the numbers suggest and that um Yeah, I don't. I guess the last thing I'll close on is I've seen I saw in the comments say one console's 1440p, one's 4K. It's like no, last gen. uh, I think you guys need to really. And I mean, like, let's pretend this is all bullshit for PlayStation, which until Sony proves it, you know, guilt. I guess this is one of those things where I'll say guilty until proven innocent, right? Until Sony proves it, we should assume it might be at a dis a performance disadvantage because it could be. And even if it is on paper, the PS4 base had—I'm um, trying to think—almost fifty, like forty percent more compute units, double the asynchronous. I think quadrupled the asynchronous compute units. Actually, it had quadrupled the asynchronous compute units, forty percent more compute, and then it also had triple the bandwidth. Guys that is a huge performance difference. And then if you look at the PS4 Pro versus the Xbox One X, you're talking about one of them had I believe 40%, 45% more bandwidth. I believe the Xbox One X had a 45% more bandwidth and then 50% well, and then like 40% more FP32 compute, but it was lacking FP16, so maybe add another 10% or so to the PlayStation. Um and it did have half the ROPS, but still I mean, that was a clear 30% to 40% stronger console. What we're looking at now is less than half of that. Well, yeah. If so the worst that you can say is they will both be 4K. I, I don't know. And I really think both of them are going to have no problem running 4K locked 60. Yeah, I don't either. The point is this. These consoles are like 10% away from each other. Yeah. The last thing I will say about this is I think this people talking about resolutions, it's cute. This generation isn't about resolutions. And in fact, the PS360 generation wasn't about resolutions either. You never really saw people arguing about that. Yeah, that's true. I think last gen, uniquely, you had resolution arguments because at the start of the generation, one console was half as powerful <laughs> and it straight up couldn't run games half as well. Yeah. Like you have, I remember at launch, you had Tomb Raider, I think it was 1080p. It wasn't locked 60. It was 1080p unlocked and it was like running at like 50 frames. And then on the other, on the Xbox, you had it running like 900p30. So yeah, that's like, imagine if we acted like those were similar. They're not. That'd be, that's the difference between a 7770 and a 7870. Wildly different performance. But this generation, guys, 4K is done. We've done it. We've gotten to 4K. I don't think anyone's going to debate about 4K or 60 hertz. These CPUs are m- way more than enough for 60 hertz. The devs are going to have locked 60, I think, in most games, and they're going to run in 4K. And guys, there are going to be some games that run 4K 60. There are going to be some games that allow an 8K, 8K option. There are going to be some games that are below 4K, and I don't think anyone will care. I think they will. devs will just choose at times to run it at 1800p. Yeah. And this is not the generation where we worry about uh, resolutions anymore. We're past the point of diminishing returns. Well, let us move on to the finer reader mail. Caden writes in, and he says, would you bet 100 Bitcoin on Dan Bean okay? No, No, I wouldn't. No, neither of us would. (laughs) Fuck that guy. I fucking suck. Alright, we recorded this episode pretty late. That's probably why we got so aggro and tired near the end. Here, guys, hopefully you bore with us. I don't think we have much more else to say. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, we hope you in- and... Ah, we almost forgot again. We have to open the package, Dan. Oh, shit. Jesus Christ. Alright, here we go. Let me get this out. So, we have a someone here who shipped to us a box... Or to the P.O. Box so you can hear us opening it. I'll probably upload pictures for you guys. It says, all right, Ben Berlin. Oh, shit. This looks like some dope stuff. All right, Dan, what do we got? Dan, why don't you... Describe to the listeners what we're opening here. Why don't you paint them a red uh, law of sound? A soundscape. A soundscape yes, yes. Oh my God. You've got
1: some Gouda. It looks like ship uh, things.
0: This is Some on- Torinos. Fine. Gabenstagen. Did I say that right, Benny Berlin? Gabenstagen. Ooh, mitin plus calcium. <laughs> you might hear us do offensive German accents right now. With... I'm I'm sorry to all the Germans. I love you, Germany. Mm, mit dem plus and calcium. <laughs> we got some cornmeash, we got some taraninos some terraninos, some Torinos I said that wrong. Fine Gabachstagen. We've got
1: some confetteria Rafael oh,
0: we, we got some trolley appelinge. We got some we got some sour apple gummies, and I know this company from. them. That's yeah, gonna be we, good. That's it. That's in the U.S. That's gonna be delicious. Oh my God! The Benny, you're the best. <laughs> we got some happy hippo cocos. Happy? You why? Did you? That was like English words. Why did you have to say it in a German accent? <laughs>
1: because look at this hippo.
0: <laughs> it is a happy hippo. <laughs> we have some linson chips with sour cream.
1: Uh, uh we've got some. Crunch chips, wow. The terrifying jalapeno
0: and cream cheese inferno. We got a maxi pack of Gummy Fruit Gumi Meat vitamin. Dan, it's fruit gummies with vitamins. Did you see me read German there? Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how the this
1: letter is pronounced in German, but...
0: Oh, I forgot. Oh, no. I don't know if I can say this word. Yeah, I give up. I'm gonna do it. I'm going for it because Americans don't cut and run. Uh, Erd, (laughs) erd Loken, classic. Meet Frisch Gamagnin. I took (laughs) French, so I'm so tempted to speak everything in a French accent if it's not English. Erdenusen. What else and do we got? then
1: it looks like some uh, toffee caramel ball things. Those are uh, pretty
0: good. I'm gonna read this letter out loud because this is a. Oh, I can't read this out loud. It's too long. Oh my god, he listed ingredients for each candy on here in case there's allergies. Which me and Dan don't have any allergies to food. Right. No, so we're I'm just good. allergic to dust mites. Dan's allergic to dust mites. Uh, let's see. Dear Tom and Dan, I hope this package finds you well. Since I appreciate your work so much, I decided to send you some snacks and sweets, some of which you hopefully do not already know. No, I do not know half of these. Uh, yeah, most of most, these. Yeah. most of these. We don't know most of these. Keep up your fantastic work. I wish you all the best for the upcoming years. Greetings from Berlin, Germany. Yours sincerely, Benny Berlin, aka Benny Berlin on Patreon. Hello. This is John on the Discord, okay, and he sent us a postcard from a picture from Germany. Ah, oh, yeah, that's in Berlin. Oh yeah, yeah, that's I forgot the name of that monument, but Benny, you far exceeded what I expected here. I'm sorry it took us so long to open it. None of these will expire, though. And we are in quarantine now, and they are starting to lock down Illinois further. Dan might be here for a while. So, Dan, I want you to look in front of you. This is your food. This is it? This is all you're getting now. Okay. Sounds and good. I get the meat. Sounds good. You get chips. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for this episode. Uh Thanks again to Benny Berlin and to all of you. Again, we have a PO box in the description. You can send us stuff if you want. Support us on Patreon. New Flyover states are coming out uh, in between the hits and gems and the die shrinks. We are going to do final round two voting for the die shrinks this week. And might be, I might actually put out the vote before this episode's come out to do a bunch of new episodes for you. There. Thank you for your support. Stay safe. And uh, I don't know, Dan. Any last words from you? uh follow government guidelines thank you Dan. (laughs) all right everybody stay safe out there the following podcast was brought to you by the youtube channel and website moore's laws dead moore's laws dead and broken silicon are trademarks of their creator tom that guy is me and i am indeed the creator editor writer and showrunner of moore's laws dead podcast videos articles and other media however moore's laws dead is a team with broken silicon co-hosted by my brother dan Audio editing by Gerard Cortez and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moorslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, PO Box One Zero Four Six Eight, Peoria, Illinois Six One Six One Two. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listen to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Bootman, Carbon Cry, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lemon Jim. Bollocks, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al kawari Frederick Lau, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Cal Marco, Phil S., Thyristor, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, John Bible, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Diesel, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Scott Schof, Sadler Sadler, Richter cohagan Aletheros, Telos, Kaden Picknell, Greg T. Wanchuk, Jacob Barber, X Soti, Whiny Care Bear, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Jan Rawnard, Robert Ducks, Michael Costa, Allie Robertson, Gordon Lamb, Jonathan, Drita Full, Ethan, Ding- Evan Dingle, Nick Neasy, Dominic Dewart, Harold P. Burrow, Wayne, Sam McArthur, James Crasta, Hector Santana, Brad Medlin, Andrew S. Edward Huff. Ugh, almost didn't get through it. I'm exhausted. Also, thank you to Sahara for the music.